0: Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. This is a different kind of podcast this week. I suppose it's a kind of call to arms. Pilgrims the world over are kindred spirits. and We consider ourselves part of a global community. Well, I want to reach out to my Camino friends and family this week to head out the front door and walk, or perhaps to climb onto a bicycle and ride, swim, jog, or even ride a horse. Of all the things I could ask you to do, I think walking is probably the most at ease principle, because pilgrims love to walk. It's what we do. And if you're new to this podcast, it's a weekly discussion about the Way of St. James or El Camino de Santiago, a series of pilgrimages across Europe. The ultimate destination is the town square in Santiago de Compostela in the shadows of the majestic cathedral, housing the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James. Pilgrims walk from all over the world to feel the energy of the Camino. You're lured to the spiritual and historic path. It's renowned for its power of healing, healing hearts and souls, minds and challenging the body. Well, I want to prevail upon the Camino community this week to consider the body. I lost a little brother to cancer last September and cancer has touched my life deeply. Leo was just 49 years old or 49 years young. And I like to think I can lend a hand where I can to help raise awareness of cancer prevention and treatment. As Leo was dying in the Olivia Newton-John Hospice in Melbourne, the night was long, the city hummed outside, and I wandered the hallway to get a cup of tea. He was my little brother passing away, slowly, but I have to say painlessly because of the wonderful work of the people at the hospice. The tea room was at the end of the hall, A sign hung on the eastern wall It was about 2am and the lights of the city cast a glow across the glass. It said, cancer can touch you, but not your soul, neither your thoughts, nor your heart. Well, I want to talk about cancer this week. Cancer below the belt, prostate and testicular cancer, bowel cancer, penile cancer. The program is based here in Australia, but people all over the world are invited to join us. Below the Belt is, is run by what's called ANZUP, A-N-Z-U-P, the Australian and New Zealand Urogenital and Prostate Cancer Trials Group. I have two guests this week. I'll start with Joe Esposito. Joe is chair of the ANZUP Fundraising and Promotions Committee, and he's also a pilgrim.
1: Welcome, Joe. Thank you very much, Dan. Very pleased to be here.
0: Yeah, we'll get to your Camino story in a moment. But first, how did you become involved with ANZUP?
1: Uh, I became involved in ANZUP because I'm a cancer survivor, to use that term. I had, when I was 40 years of age, about 20 years ago, testicular cancer. Uh, So I went through that whole process of uh, removal of a testicle. Um, chemotherapy etc and my oncologist in Melbourne was associate professor Guy Toner so after the 10 years of um, checkups, Guy asked me one day what I was doing and I said I've just finished a course in being a company director and uh, Guy mentioned to me that he's involved in this organisation called ANZUP and asked uh, whether I'd be interested in becoming a director of ANZUP so I did through that, and I've been there 10 years as a director and on the fundraising committee as well, uh, trying to promote uh, cancer and raising the profile of this, a very good organisation of world-class professional uh, scientists and medical personnel on a voluntary basis. So that's how I got involved, through Connections, Dan.
0: So what sort of work does the organisation do?
1: Well, it's a cancer trials group, so it's involved in investigator-led, i.e., led by the members of ANZUP, who are multidisciplinary from all sorts of uh, sections of the cancer community, from research scientists to oncologists to other professionals and nurses, etc. cetera. Mm. And what what they do is find uh, look at ways of improving the uh, experience of cancer sufferers and looking for cures and ways of making life better so Mm. it's really uh, a way of the community and members of the profession trying to initiate cancer trials that maybe are not on the radar of the major pharmaceutical companies so it's truly an altruistic organization about doing things with their own services And, and I'm happy to be involved with for the same reasons.
0: I'll I'll tell you this. Men don't like talking about things below the belt. They're more inclined to say, hmm, that's not good, but I hope it goes away before golf next Thursday. (laughs) But Up is not just about cures and treatment, is it? It's about helping as well and helping, most importantly, with information.
1: That's right, Dan. And uh, we have a great lot of information, you know, via the Up website, and just making sure that people understand that there are options uh, in cancer and finding out uh, about how things might develop and what the options are going forward. And information is the key because for the layperson, including myself at the time, before I knew I had cancer, the the word has all sorts of connotations. But people don't understand that there's a lot behind that and a lot of uh, good information and and also myths that uh, people can be uh, better informed about uh, w- what the cancer is and what the treatment options and where the uh, the field of science is going in those, those areas that might affect them. Yeah. Because I know
0: that one of the greatest challenges in terms of cancer is that no one really knows what's going on and no one likes to ask questions because they're frightened often of the answers. Um, so... Could ends up in a way I know it 's focused on trials and and, and 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 that aspect of of the cancer journey, but could it also be a conduit for finding out more and perhaps so some of those answers that you don 't want to ask the questions to get to those answers
1: I think so Dan the the website is a good source of uh, information the ends up website public website so there 's information about the type of um, uh, cancers that we we look at and the the issues there, but there are, you know, various ways of getting information. The main thing I've I've found is the uh, medical professionals in this field are very open to answering questions. So I think uh, the general public, and as I say, I was a member of of that as well, are reticent about asking, but the the people involved in cancer are very special people and they can always be tapped for their knowledge and answers to uh, questions that might be burning but not, mm. not uh, asked. So yeah. I can say uh, for sure that the uh, people in the industry uh, have very humane feelings for cancer sufferers because it is a terrible disease and everyone's trying hard to find cures and uh, solutions.
0: Yeah, yeah. So tell us, Joe, tell us about the Below the Belt Your Way Challenge.
1: Well, the Below the Belt Your Way Challenge is a new uh, initiative uh, pretty much because of the pandemic environment uh, in Melbourne that we can't have our normal cycling uh, challenge, the Pedal Thon that we have every year in Melbourne and also one in Sydney. So this is a way of uh, engaging people to assist in fundraising without being involved in groups because at the moment we, with um, social distancing we can't do that. But it's a way of allowing individuals to sign up and help fundraise but in their own uh, way, whether it's walking, whether it's running, cycling, swimming. So it's, it's uh, supported by uh, Up, and the, there's a website that provides information about the uh, challenge, the below the belt, uh, your way challenge. And it's really saying you can do it your way. You can participate your way without necessarily being a cyclist. There are many ways of contributing. And and walking, as you mentioned at the outset, is a very important one and one that I'm – comfortable with having my own uh, Camino experiences.
0: Yeah, and that's my next question. Let's get to the Camino. You walked the Camino Inglés back in 2009. That was before the movie The Way and, I suppose, this new wave of pilgrims. So how did the Camino come into your life?
1: Well, I must thank my wife, Loretta, for that. It came into my life because I was busy working at that time with St. George Bank in Melbourne, Loretta was working at uh, university and and teaching media and communications. And Loretta said, Joe, we need to go for a holiday. Let's find something interesting. Uh, Obviously, I had uh, cancer experience 10 years before. So that experience has encouraged me always to put up my hand to say, yes, let's have a go. So we were looking for something that fit our three-week time horizon. And we wanted to go to Europe. And Loretta found uh, an activity which encompassed slow walking, culture, spirituality, uh, time by ourselves, and uh, came across the uh, Inglés Camino, which was from Ferrol uh, to Santiago. It was a six-day walk, and we experienced that for the first time. We're not, we weren't walkers. We'd never put backpacks on, and we hadn't really trained. The only training we did was walking from uh, our house in um, inner Melbourne to South Bank. And the next thing we know, we're, we're flying to Madrid, up to La Croña, where Sir John Moore was in the Peninsula Wars, for any historians. Then uh, a bus to Farol, where Franco was born, put our backpacks on and walked all the way to Santiago. And the experience was absolutely fabulous. Uh, and we became hooked in Camino's from that. So we said every holiday that we can have, we'll try to walk in a slow travel experience. And and as you know, Dan, walking in solitude, a beautiful countryside, art, culture, people, it's a it's a um, it's a, almost a religious experience. And obviously for some people it is. For us it was a spiritual time and a time where Loretta and I, without other people, we ended up having such a great time talking, experiencing the trials and tribulations of finding our way, finding the route. And, and when we did the Inglés Camino, I think there were only about 1,000 people a year doing that uh, walk, that walk, that particular walk. And we we didn't see another pilgrim. We were pretty much on our own. And we had had some good good experiences. And you mentioned the the way movie uh, was coincidental, but when we were in the Parador in Santiago across from the cathedral having coffee one yeah. afternoon, right next to us was the producer of the Way movie wow. and in town were all the cameramen. So, oh, there you go. So it was a small world and uh, we also had uh, an anecdote where we we walked you know, the path through uh, Ponte Dorme, Betanzos, and my pronunciation's not the best, <laughs> or Dares, which is slightly <laughs> off the track. We thought because we walked extra to get the accommodation, we thought Loretta and I thought we'd get a taxi taxi to, to the starting point again because we walked this extra. and the, the hostel the, uh, the person from Bruma, the, uh, the, the refu- refugio, he saw us and he, he basically pulled us away from the taxi to get us to walk. And I consider that divine intervention because we were going to take a shortcut but the person that put us the night before saw us in the town and he could see what we we're trying to do and he basically encouraged us to walk so we ended up walking the whole way and, and that was a, a nice experience and we always remember that and well, I'm happy to recount it now it was divine intervention no yeah. shortcuts on the Camino
0: No, that's right <laughs> Hey, tell us about the special birthday challenge of 2015
1: Well, that was Loretta's birthday challenge Loretta... Turned a milestone year. She won't want me to tell her the age, but (laughs) she's she's a bit younger than me. And she wanted to mark that and do something special. So the Inglés Camino was uh, 120 kilometres. The northern route, uh, El Norte, was about 680 kilometres. So that's her her goal. That's what she wanted to do. So her brother David uh, and her went the first from Arun, Walking across uh, the top of Spain, Bilbao, Santander. Well, we got to Santander. I met Loretta there, uh, and she and I cycled from Santander pretty much all the way to um, uh, Villa Vicosa. So, people follow the the pathway. There's a few towns on the way, and we went past uh, uh, town Colimas, where Antonio Galdi has one of his uh, famous buildings oh, yeah, yeah. before that, and um, the butterfly-type building. And we went through there, but Loretta carried on. So her, uh, another friend, when I left, we, we went to Alvedo together, uh, and then a friend met her, and, ca- and she carried on with the walk all the way to Santiago. So that was a landmark for someone that doesn't weigh too much, Loretta, and she reminds me that her pack ratio weight uh, to body weight was much higher than mine. So while I'm, I'm bigger and I was talking about how much I was carrying, she was carrying a lot more per body weight than I was. So I take my hat off to her. She's um, a very uh, competent and um, independent, bright woman. And uh, she, she did that for herself. And I had the experience of um, cycling part of it with her, the part that we did. The rest of it, uh, she did walking, and she never lets me down from the the fact that while she's trying to work out how to put her feet into the pedals, I said, go right, and we ended up two hours off track because we should have turned left, and the only reason I worked out we went the wrong way is when I looked back, I said, hang on, the Picos de Europa in the other direction. I think we've gone the wrong way. (laughs) So That that was a bit of fun, that one.
0: Men don't like being told they don't know where they're going.
1: No, no, no. <laughs> it
0: does happen occasionally. It does. Hey, and then last year, there's some unfinished business. The way of Saint Francis, you walked from Assisi. Just tell yes. us, tell us what that 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 walk is like from a Assisi to Aron. Paint us a picture. What's it like? Uh,
1: it is beautiful. Yeah, the, they say um, it is. Yeah, it is beautiful. So. We wanted another walk. Obviously, we love Santiago, but we wanted to try different things. So, never had never been to Assisi before. We'd been to Italy. Assisi as a town is uh, fantastic. The um, cathedral is is beautiful with the Giotto paintings and um, or frescoes, rather. So that was great. But the walk was out of Assisi, and there's a, again just Loretta and I. We don't go in groups. We find our way. We go sort of was. Uh, you know, uh, around Easter time or a bit before, so the climate was good, uh, and we're really walking pretty much along a hillside, um, through olive groves, through vineyards, oh. mainly olive groves, from town to town. And the towns were, and you would have probably heard them. There was um, uh, Spello, a beautiful town that was the first. after. Uh, wow. uh, First day's Walk, Trevi, another beautiful town, Spoleto, another beautiful town, the Spoleto Film uh, Music Festival, not that we saw that, but these are magnificent towns. And then after Spoleto, Spoleto was an interesting because walking out of town, we we pretty much had to walk straight up the side of a hill uh, and then across the top of the mountains or the hills, you know, quite large hills, uh, and then down the other side into a valley where there was the, I think it was the Nero River, Mm. but a river that goes all the way to Rome. So we're walking beside the riverbank for many hours, and the scenery was just spectacular. So we're Uh in a valley at that stage. But I can say Umbria, which is where uh, Assisi is and the other town, the green heart of Italy, and it is magnificent. So that was a good good trip, but also because we're working limited time and we said we'll have to come back and, and finish the rest of it, which is from uh, Rieti to Rome. But yeah. It was a magnificent uh, trip.
0: Yeah, the last leg to Rome still to go. And you were on yes. the Camino in Portugal when this pandemic hit. It's like a whole new world now, isn't it? Oh. Just tell us that experience of being there when it all sort of, the whole world oh, sure. changed.
1: The whole world did change, Dan. It was uh, an unbelievable experience and almost you needed to experience it to uh, to believe it. So, you know, we're in Australia. I think we left on about the 11th of March. Mm. And at that time, we we knew there was um, problems in Italy and one or two or very few numbers in Spain. And Loretta and I were umming and ahhing. Do we need, should we go, shouldn't we go? We thought, well, we're only away for three weeks, we're leaving in a very short space of time, and the closest the virus was to our destination of uh, Lisbon was, you know, the other side of Spain, and only very minor numbers, and we thought, well, even if it spread, we would be in and out of our holiday before it hit. But what happened is we were flying via, um, I think it was Qatar, yeah. uh, to Doha, and then at the Doha airport we see on, T- on the uh, the news there there's uh, Trump on there telling everyone America's blocked um, flights from Europe. And we think, oh, my goodness, what's going on here? Like it's, it's starting to accelerate. And we touched down in uh, Lisbon. First thing we do, because we had our plan, we wanted to go to Mon- the Geronimo yeah. Museum. We wanted to go to the Say Cathedral we wanted to go to the Tile Museum, National Tile Museum. We get down at the airport. Can we have a Lisbon card to, to see these sites? Sorry, we can't help you. Why? Well, we don't know what's going to be open. What do you mean? Oh, the p- pandemic's coming through. The government's going to do a bit of a lockdown. Some of the um, the uh, tourist uh, venues are starting to slow down and close. For example, the Jeronimos Museum, they're only letting in about... 30 people an hour is very limited. They said, let's check tomorrow, see what it's like, because we don't know what's going on. So the next day we're at the train station at uh, Alponina. I haven't pronounced it right, but not far from where we stayed. in yeah. yeah. Alphama, Alphama district. And we went to the railway station. They said, sorry, it's closed, it's closed. The only things that are open are the say, which is a cathedral, and the uh, National Tile Museum, so we managed to see those the um, you know th- that day and the next day. Well, the next day we walked to uh, we walked from where we were in farmer to the National Tile Museum. It's about a ten-kilometer uh, walk. Yeah, saw that fantastic. Uh, but that's the only thing that was open. There were plenty of tourists around. I think there was a cruise ship in town, but things were closing down rapidly. There were police around, etc. But that next day we put our backpacks on and we walked up the Tejo River because we went to Portugal to walk the uh, Camino uh, the Portuguese Camino to Fatima and we thought let's let's have a look at that we've heard about it there's another walk a different country yeah. and experience what the Portuguese do so uh, w- when we did that we didn't see obviously many tourists Uh, It was quite an interesting walk um, towards the riverbank, inland, back on the riverbank, and we ended up at Santorum, which uh, a lot of the Australian uh, Camino de Santiago that do the Portuguese route would go to Santorum, and we turned uh, left to go to Fatima, and people that go to Santiago would keep going straight, but at Santorum, and it's a well-known hostel, the guy there, I've forgotten his name, but he said, we're the last pilgrims in that um, in that major to, uh, hostel, and all the forward bookings were closed. So I think we're pretty fair to say we're one of the last pilgrims in Portugal. And then what we'd heard was uh, uh, people from Portugal had gone to, uh, actually from Porto, had gone to Italy and brought the virus back to Porto, and that's why the Portuguese government closed things down. So... You know, we had a a very unusual experience walking around with no people. We walk into uh, the little village, have a meal and and say, there's social distancing already happening. You know, there's a table, can't sit on that table, another table. So it was an eerie experience. It almost felt like uh, in the Middle Ages where there's a black death. You walk into a town and, you know, people are sort of looking at you and uh, you could see that things weren't. Uh, the way they would normally be. There were fewer people about. So, But we had a great time. Uh, when we got to Fatima, here's interesting, all the hotels were closed. And Fatima, I think, was only a few weeks before Easter. Normally they're all they're opening because all the tourists are coming through. Yeah. With Fatima. The hotel that we booked in said, uh, hang on, we're not opening now, but we've got another hotel. You can stay there. We'll upgrade you at no cost. So we went to the second hotel that they owned. We were the only guests in the hotel, and we it's arguable we're probably the only tourists in Fatima. Goodness. And that is a big tourist destination. That's amazing. Uh, uh, it, it was uh, it was surreal. And when we had breakfast, we were the only people there, and the, the staff all had masks on. Uh, so everyone was in Portugal very concerned about the virus, and, and I must say, very compliant with government regulation, which yeah. could go could go back to their you know their uh, history, you know, yeah. obviously with dictatorships and things. So it was a surreal experience to be in a, in a hotel, you know, I think it was six or seven stories, where we were the only guests. Goodness, uh, amazing! But that uh, is amazing. We we had a good time, you know, all the same, and we we toured to toured around. We had a car, and we were the only car on the road, and. You know, people say stay at home, but we had no home to go to because we had, you know, different uh, places booked. In fact, we ended up staying longer in uh, Fatima than we planned because the next place that we we're going to stay, uh, Nazare, on the coast, they said they contacted us and said, listen, because of the, the virus, we prefer if you don't come because we've got older people. So we yeah. said that's fine. So we made Fatima our base, and we saw all of the, the famous sites, Tomar, Alcabecca, uh, et cetera, but unfortunately only from the outside because yeah. these beautiful monuments were closed and we'll have a, have a good excuse to go back and have a look on the inside. But <laughs> we went to Coimbra as well. Uh, we did that, but the rest of it was um, hardly any people around. And then we went to the Alentejo region, which is where they have all the cork trees yeah. and things. Uh, yeah. But it was a fantastic experience. And then getting back to Portugal, or back to Lisbon rather, very eerie because uh, when we left Portugal, before our walk, the place was crowded with people and tourists, but things weren't open. We are only there a couple of days. Yeah. When we came back, there were no tourists. Uh, everything was closed. And even the number 26 uh, tram, which I think is famous, the tourist tram, where sometimes you need to wait for an hour to get onto it. Loretta and I were the only people on the tram, and we did the Goodness. whole tour of um, Lisbon, you know, from one end of the tram line to the other, and then had about a five-hour walk back to our um, accommodation in in uh, El, uh, El But it was it was a great experience, and uh, even the people in the place that we stayed in Farma, the, the the home, actually, I can read it out: Sweet Lisbon guest house We stayed at. Dear Loretta and Joe, hope this letter finds you well. you enjoyed yourself so far despite the circumstances. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, we had to lay off our staff, and I'm personally taking care of some family members, so it's not possible to come daily prepare breakfast. So they gave us a little bit of cash for breakfast, gave us their um, bed and breakfast, and we were the only guests there, and uh, leave the key at the door. It was <laughs> a surreal experience, Dan. <laughs> hey, listen... Joe,
0: it's... Uh, 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 God, I, should, I could talk to you all day. But I think that the best part about your story is here you are and, and with Loretta, travelling the world, having these extraordinary experiences, and it's because you're a cancer survivor. Yes. You're able to yes. tell these wonderful stories because yep. you came out the other side. What will you be doing for below the belt your way
1: well i think we're going to have to be doing some walking and uh collecting some fun so uh it's a great cause um spreading the word because you know an individual can do so much but it's it's really making other people aware of bringing making people conscious of the need that we're all in one community and I must say the Camino helps that too we're a community and it's letting people know that everyone needs to help each other and we're all human beings um, uh, we've got a passion for life and you know I have learned don't put things off uh, and cancer sort of taught me that that's why I don't get stressed about too many things but you know I'm doing my little bit and and being on this podcast is another way of just letting people know about uh, ANZUP, what it's doing, because I can do so much, but it's more important to spread the word so that more and more people are aware of the good things that Australian scientists do. And I must say, the ANZUP has got world-leading scientists. We're doing world-class trials, international trials, driven out of Australia. And as I say, the professionals, the scientists, the medical people do this for the love of humanity and it's all voluntary work you know these, these
0: people are fantastic yeah that's that's just a brilliant story hey joe lovely to talk to you i've really thoroughly enjoyed talking to you and i hope our paths i know our paths will cross again in the meantime walk on congratulations Uh-oh. for the work you do to you and loretta for living a full adventurous post-cancer life thanks for talking to us Buen- right,
1: thank you for- Buen camino uh-huh. joe Yeah, Buon Camillo.
0: Thank you very much, Dan. Thank you. Joe Esposito there, the chair of the Hands Up Fundraising and Awareness Committee. If you're reaching for a pen, the website to go to, to sign up, is belowthebelt.org.au. BelowTheBelt.org.au. Below the Belt Your Way is encouraging people all around the world to get up and get moving in any way they like, whether that's cycling, walking or running. All they need to do is run, walk or cycle – as many kilometres as they can throughout the month of September. Participants will be encouraged to fundraise as they take part in the challenge, sharing their progress with friends, family and colleagues to help support them along the way. Participants can exercise at home, in the office or outdoors and take part with their family, colleagues, friends or just by themselves. They can choose to exercise every day or intermittently throughout the month of September. It really is just doing something your way to help raise awareness and funds for below the belt cancer research and keeping your mind and body healthy at the same time. I mentioned I had two guests. Well I have on the line Joe Stubbs, who's one of the volunteers from the program, and a pilgrim too. Hi, Joe.
2: Hi, Jan. How are you?
0: I'm really well. You're one of the volunteers, the ends up volunteers, as I said. Why did you get involved?
2: Oh gosh, why? Well, <clears throat> I knew the uh, CEO, Marg McJanet. She nursed my sister many years ago and she nursed my sister-in-law. And then our sons ended up playing rugby in the same uh, team when they were much, much younger. And we became friends through that. And then she mentioned to me about... Well, she mentioned to me a long time ago she was looking for volunteers, um and about eight years ago, I took her up on that and wandered in, and I've been making a nuisance of myself ever since.
0: <laughs> I mentioned to Joe earlier that i'm uh, men don't like to talk about issues below the belt, right? And this is about not only raising awareness but also raising funds and and providing research or money toward research. For, for better understanding of some of those issues, is that did I sum it up right? Is that about the right way to to sort of talk about what AnsUp does and 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 what is oh. what is your role as a volunteer? Like, how do you help?
2: Well, my, um, myself and there is another volunteer, Leslie, as well. Um, we literally um, stack envelopes. Um, pack boxes when they're going to a function, run photocopies. We just do general run-of-the-mill dog's body work. Mm -hmm. Um, And we find, well, we find volunteering extremely rewarding. It's one of the most rewarding things you can do. People say thank you all the time because you don't get paid for it. You just get so much thanks, so much gratitude. Um, It's a bit overwhelming sometimes. But they're a really fun crew. Um, at the moment, they're all women, um, so we all get on very well, and yeah, it's it's just good. And then you do talk about it mm. to other people. Now, my husband John's sitting with me here too, and I've encouraged him to talk a lot about hands up and below the belt cancers. Well, of course, he's now seventy, so so many of his friends have been through pos- prostate problems, so. We try to talk about it very openly with people. Um, yeah,
0: I think that men of your husband's age—I mean, I'm in my mid-fifties—we just don't talk about it. You, you, no, and you don't like to think that anything's wrong.
2: No, and and especially anything down there, like well, men, that's it. It's exactly. just all very manly. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes.
0: yeah, yeah. You don't talk about and, it, and you certainly don't talk it to other blokes.
2: No. Well, hang on a minute, John. When you were 50, you wouldn't have talked about it with other blokes.
3: Not when I was 50, um, but uh, down at my golf club, uh, because, you know, there's a lot of people down there around our age. Yeah. A lot of them have had uh, issues uh, with their prostate. Um, We talk about it pretty openly down there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Although it's interesting... Um, there, there's probably uh, a group of us who are prepared to talk about it and then as you find out someone else has he's having a problem we try to actually say to them look it's okay to talk about this you know we've all have, we've been through this yeah um if you want to ask some questions you know or someone says oh, i'm going to have an operation well fortunately i haven't had an operation but my best mate has and uh and he had a you know, a bit of an ordinary experience with it, as as a you know the after effects of it. Yeah. Um. And and he grabs these people and says to them, "Listen, don't think that everything's going to be bloody roses. Um, there's a few issues that you need to be aware of." Going down this path, Um,
2: and you can generally when
3: you then open up to someone like that, they respond and they start asking questions and make comments, and so it's it's definitely getting better.
0: Yeah, I I think that's very true. What about you, John? Are you better? Um,
3: Okay, My, my. yeah, my personal situation is I haven't had to have an operation I've still got I have got prostate cancer um, but it, my specialist is telling me listen you'll die but it won't be a prostate cancer it'll be something else. Oh okay
0: um, so that is that that's the situation where they say you'll die yeah. with it but not from it
3: correct that's yeah. exactly right he, yeah. he said look every you know, I go to see him every once every six months and he said I'm getting bored with seeing you um, you know, and there's nothing to report every time you come, so I think oh, well, that's a good result at least.
0: Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, hundred percent. But you just need to be aware of it and keep up to date with everything, and and keep correct. a check on I everything. Mean, you, know,
3: you never know with anything, but no. um, I, I'm, he's he's given me enough comfort for me to say that I don't think it's going to be an issue for me. Um, uh, but like anything, you know, you have biopsies. The biopsies have side effects. Um, you know, anything that, any operation you have um, has has an after effect.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good okay. advice. Well, nice to talk to you, John. I wasn't expecting to hear from you, but that's lovely. It's good to get the bloke's perspective. Hey, Joe, can we go back to you just for a sec? Yes. Tell us about the Camino.
2: Oh, well, uh, we did it in 2018 and it was something I don't even remember what what really enticed us to do it. I think it was one of those things we heard people talking about it and then somebody said, go and see the movie The Way, which we did. Yeah, yeah. And,
3: oh, two of my mates,
2: Jack and Tony. Oh, it. yes, and then two of John's golf mates <laughs> had done it. Yeah. Uh, and and we thought, oh, we can do this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no worries. Uh, but, I mean, I have to say we only did... Uh, five days. We we walked right. from Saria to Santiago to Compostela. Mm. But what did Joe Esposito do? Did he do longer than that?
0: Yeah, he's done about three or four. And he's done he's yeah. done quite a few long ones, real long ones. But Saria to Santiago is a beautiful walk. What did you make of it?
2: Oh look, it was just wonderful. The the feeling of mm. um camaraderie is fantastic. Um we um <laughs> It it was quite funny. We came across one young man who turned out to be a postie, a post postman from Manly, and uh, he's done it lots of times. He he's a single bloke, probably about forty, and he works, and then he takes months off. And every couple of years he walks another part of the Camino. And this time he said that once they got to Saria, it was a bit like a carnival after that because, you know, it's just those tourists who do that, <laughs> the last 115Ks. They're yeah. not for real. <laughs> um, so we, we all had a laugh about that. But, it, you know, for people like us it was still a fair old effort. And, yes, I would do it again. And sadly with COVID, knocking us out of European travel probably at our age for a couple of years at least, we may have missed the boat on doing another another yeah. stretch of it. You yeah. know, by the time we get back on a plane, walking a couple of hundred Ks over a couple of weeks might not be um oh, I was gonna say wise or possibly might not be capable.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a it's a real shame, isn't it? This new world order we I mean I there are so many unanswered questions, but so many, yeah. you know, so, and so many missed opportunities. Joe, what do you think you might do for the challenge for below the belt your way?
2: Well, I'm not quite sure whether I'll actually be participating because I took advantage of the lockdown and I had my bunion operated on ten Ow. weeks ago, so I'm still not Ow. moving like a Melbourne Cup winner. <laughs> um, but I will be sponsoring a number of people who are. <laughs> doing it that's not a joke thanks Dan a bunion is a bunion and it can be a very
0: very serious I know I know it's just that when you said I'm not quite running like a Melbourne cup winner that made me laugh
2: yes well but
0: but I know how painful the bunion is and I know that it you've undertaken a big risk in having that operation too
2: oh no you just have to do it you know you just and it's not, it's not such a big deal. I, I'm actually finding since I've been released by the surgeon who said you can go for a 20-kilometre walk now if you want to, um, I'm finding that my leg isn't quite responding the way he suggested it would. So, right. you know, it, it's slow but surely. But I guess my goal by the end of September would be that I can um, do a 10 to 12-kilometre walk. Um, John and I are caravanners and we... Can only caravan around New South Wales at the moment, but we generally go to places, national parks, and things like that, where you do a lot of bushwalking. So, you know, there's a bit of a goal there. But as far as um, the My Way um, um, effort goes, it came about a month too early before I could even yeah. participate, really. So, yes, I'll just be sponsoring. Um, a couple of people there.
0: Wonderful. Look, I'll do what I can do to help Joe. Congratulations on the work that you do, everyone at ANZ up. And if there's a particular message I'd like to get out to men this week in particular or this month, it's get checked out.
2: Absolutely. And especially for people our age, tell your sons. And if your sons turn your back on you, you know, your 30, 40, 50-year-old sons, just tell them to do it. Get over it, move on and do it.
3: Yeah,
2: we've had that conversation with
0: our sons. Yes, so yeah. Great stuff. Thanks, Joe. Lovely to talk to you.
2: Thanks, Dan. All bye. the best. Bye
0: bye now. Joe Stubbs, there, one of the volunteers at ANZUP, A N Z U P, the Australian and New Zealand Urogenital and Prostate Cancer Trials Group. Earlier, we heard from Joe Esposito, the chair of the ANZUP fundraising and awareness committee. The website belowthebelt.org.au. Sign up, raise some funds. And raise awareness. What's not to like about it? <laughs> Cancer can touch you, but not your soul, neither your thoughts nor your heart. Let's work together to beat it. Thanks for your company this week and every week. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen camino. Somewhere along the way. Somewhere along. The way.